welcome to One Up 200, the New Zealand and International Politics Podcast. I have Justine and Philip uh, with me today and our guest from Renters United, Geordie Rogers. Welcome to the cast, Geordie. Kia thanks for having me. Hey, really glad to have you on. Um, and for our regular listeners, we have, I think we've mentioned a, a few times now, we're currently doing a bit of a uh, housing series. Uh, we've talked to a variety of different people about the wide-ranging uh, issues in the housing <laughs> housing market. Oh, yeah. So you've got um, years of content. Oh, uh, yeah. Just a- incredible stuff. Well, we've got, yeah. I mean, since Cook landed, essentially. Um, yeah. It's, there's so much to get into, and it's so important that we have the views of, of a wide range of people on this and that people have the opportunity to have uh, a really nuanced conversation about it um, because I think that something that's often lost in some of the media coverage of this, especially given the Media Watch piece just um, over the weekend, which really called out just how much of a grip uh, property investors and real estate agents have on coverage um, oh, yeah. Yeah. regarding housing. The, the numbers were pretty ridiculous. And I think Renters United has really been one of the only organizations of your sort that managed to get any airtime at all. Yeah, yeah. So Renters United, we are really strongly connected in with media. And recently we've seen some changes, like they're getting a bit more hungry for renters news. And I think that's honestly just a side effect of the fact that more of them are renting now. <laughs> And so suddenly they're like, I want my views represented, which is fantastic. It means that we get heard. But um, there's also some brother and sister organizations throughout New Zealand that are really fighting for renters as well. And we want their voices to be heard. So um, Manawatu Tenants Union has got some awesome pieces out there as well. Um, Totally check them out if you're in that area and you need some help with your tenancy. But yeah, we're really trying to get that tenant's voice across because someone needs to stand up and do it because the media aren't going to come looking for us. We really have to push ourselves onto them. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're really seeing that in, in just the current narrowness of coverage. Um, mm. And a lot of people talk about the way in which most of our elected representatives uh, in parliament and, and maybe even in local councils as well, uh, you know, uh, our landlords, um, yep. either own their own property or own several properties um, or, you know, own more than several properties. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, just a, they often talk about balance or, or like, having um, both sides of the story. Mm. Um, but it tends to be property managers and landlords um, yeah. and renters yeah. often get cut out. Yeah, for sure. And I think it is also that symptom of the world where we live in where those who are have less resources, have less money, are unable to be heard because there's some expectation, like time isn't free anymore. Like our time costs money. Every hour we're not working is uh, money that we can't pay to some other person for rent. And so we have to take volunteer time that isn't paid to go out and spread this message when say the Property Investors Federation is chucking people on planes and throwing carbon emissions everywhere just to speak to a reporter. Um, So there's really this battle in the media space of grassroots activism. And I think that's what makes Renters United so beautiful and attractive to me is there's no one person that speaks for renters and Renters United. It's we have a team of people that respond to media requests and it's always who wants to do this and 
as a group we support whoever can put their hand up for that mm. because as a group you really need to be there for each other and if we can support each other and help each other grow that's a lot more than the professional spokespeople that are getting paid big bucks to do it can can go home and say they achieved so yeah yeah you know it does speak i think the the total capture of the media by i mean i think we should call it what it is which is you know the real estate's the biggest um industry in new zealand real estate mm. industry is the largest most profitable industry in new zealand and there is capture you know and they have a huge arsenal of you know media apparatchiks who are ready to go at this at you know the slightest kind of hint of change that isn't yeah. in their favor and so it's really good to see organizations like renters united you know and renters getting organized um you know because Renters are a growing body of New Zealanders. I mean, that's the other thing. And I think that's why you're starting to see a little bit of a change. It just speaks to the sheer, like, huge, the growth in the amount of renters in this country, um, which has historically been, you know, I think New Zealanders have always had this idea of home ownership as, like, you know, the ultimate kind of goal. But now we're seeing this increase in renters. And and I think it also speaks to, like, um, the I'm going to use, like, a kind of, the proletarianization as well as of some journalists, you know, like who mm. now are, I mean, you know, I'm just sorry, like, you know, in the nine, like in the 1950s it, or like, you know, in the heyday of, um, you know, great journalist jobs, you wouldn't have a journalist saying, look, I'm a renter. I really need to get out of the renters, but now you do. So it's like interesting. You've got like a lot of tension between like the upcoming kind of the new, you know, a generational tension, I think as well mm. between the old God and, and the new God. It's not only a generational tension, but it definitely is there with, um, I think the media and media operators that I think is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're really, um, I mean, we're zooming into like five different issues at once. Can I, can I slow us, can I slow us down everyone? No, no, no. I'm going to do, I'm going to do Kyle's job. That I already did my job. That if he was a goddamn professional, he would have started with us. <laughs> Jordy. Uh, but I'm going to say like, what is Renters United? Like, how did you form? Uh, what's the theory of change? Like, why do you exist? Give us your kind of co papa. Yeah. Um, sure. And yeah. then let's, let's go full speed ahead with everything. <laughs> no, just yeah, yeah. straight afterwards. Without me. Yeah. So, Renters United is an advocacy group. Our focus is to organize renters and together through collective action campaign for a better future for renters and everyone throughout New Zealand. Uh, one of the things we really strongly believe in is that we are stronger together. Uh, and that kind of comes out of the union movements and what we saw there. Um, we have a really strong grasp and understanding the state's role in providing housing and looking at housing as not just a commodity. One of the main things we spend our time doing is trying to convince government that the advice they're getting from people who often have invested interests uh, is somewhat wrong um, and sort of founded in beliefs that are half truths. So, uh, it's a really interesting space to be in. And every single time someone signs up to Renters United without giving us any money, they make us one voice stronger. And that makes the person on the other end of hearing what we're saying that little bit more likely to listen. So that's really the collective action that Renters United has. Yeah. In terms of how we started, I have only just recently joined the organization, but I've heard some cool stories of uh, a rally that was hosted on Lambton Key. So basically like the idea of someone standing on a soapbox and saying, look, this is not cool. We need changes and we need them now. And there are multiple things that came out of that, a small group that formed. Uh, and then recently, it's really been that outward focus of 
five people can't do this. We need the whole nation moving together, standing in a line, shouting for what we need to be able to survive and, and thrive in Aotearoa. That's Renters United awesome. in my heart and in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So um, I have a question. Is, so you, you talk about like um, the inspiration from the union movement, which is awesome to hear like as a unionist. And I, I really um, dig the co-popper. Like I really believe that mm. we, what we need is to work towards a tenants union, but yeah. you're not quite a tenants union. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. What we recognized when we were starting is that there are other people already positioned in the space that were providing services better than we could. They had the knowledge, had already started working on it, and so we didn't want to take up their space. Um, so we have a lot of partner organizations that we share knowledge with through an advocacy network, um, and together we all form a core part. And what we found is when someone is spending all of their time helping people with issues it's really hard in a funding space to get funding from the government to help people but also criticize the political work yeah yeah so we really abstract ourselves from saying hey we need funding to help people and instead say look we're just going to tell you what the best thing is to do and we're going to demand that you listen to us um yeah so, so that's the kind of space we fill um we don't have like Jews or anything like that that we require our members to pay. It's really just so that their input is heard through a, yeah. a, a grassroots movement and we could then present that to the government and say, this is what renters are demanding of you. Cool. Awesome. So it's like a media arm. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty cool. It's like trying to be a massive funnel. It's like how do we get all these diverse voices, listen to what they're saying and, and really try and digest the issues that people are having and then present that not only as a problem to government, but a solution as well. Because um, if there's one thing we've learned from government, it's that they like things presented on a plate so they can just modify them a little bit and deliver them there as their own uh, instead of going out and doing the work themselves, which is, I <laughs> hey. think, a whole other issue. But. Yeah, yeah. No, for okay. sure. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a huge issue. And you're right. Like, I think you've put your finger on a really like, important factor in terms of when it comes to actually putting that pressure on government as a kind of advocacy organization mm. that is, that is absolutely crucial. The ability to kind of pressure in a way where you've kind of already supplied the answer. You're saying like, here's a yeah. thing that we want. Right. So when it comes to that kind of like solution focused conversation, or I suppose like the demographic kind of argument, what, what do you provide? Like what are your prescribed, whether it's solutions or suggestions, however you want to phrase, I don't know how Regis United like phrases their cope-up statements or values statements or whatever. Like what, what do you prescribe as what's the, what's at the end of the rainbow? What's your like pot of gold that you suggest mm. that the government like work towards? Yeah. So uh, one of the interesting things I think about Renters United is we took the government's job uh, and we did it for them all for free, just out of the kindness of our hearts. <laughs> such good citizens. Um, and so we actually went out and we did uh, a people's review of renting. We went and talked to renters across the country, listened to their stories. And from that, we then analysed to look at where are all of these pain points and how can we bring in solutions that resolve those pain points as well as resolve the systemic issues that are causing these things. And so out of that, we created the plan to fix renting, uh, which does have four pillars to it. And it is the most beautiful thing if you ever get to see us at a store, pick up one of the posters we have. Um, I unfortunately don't have it in my room, but it is in the lounge and we tick things off it. It's made of cool. beautiful paper. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, it's just like the unionist inside me loves it. <laughs> um, and 
So I will definitely get this up because there are some some points that I can hit on this. And if you want to have a look at it, it's uh, rentersunited.org.nz forward slash plan. Renters currently are struggling on four fronts. They don't have a stable home. Like you never know when your landlord's going to kick you out. Um, and you really need to know that you can build a community where you live. Uh, they don't have fair rent. They don't really get to choose how much they pay for a rental, especially in the current market. Their houses aren't safe and they aren't healthy. Even with the healthy home standard coming in, we still see horrible homes uh, and with a lot of the rental stock just being rejected homes from state housing or from um, the, the private ownership market. And the last one is kind of coming back to unions and that's not only giving tenants power back and working on that total power imbalance that landlords have, but allowing the state to intervene and actually enforce these, what I would call human right violations, Mm. right? Like housing is a human right. And yet we don't have any party that actively goes out and looks for breaches of these laws. They have to be taken to a tribunal by a tenant where the landlord might receive a fine uh, if you bring a strong enough case and it's like totally on you to prove mm. everything. And so those are the, the four pillars to our plan. And so there's 36 things in there. We've ticked off about five of them. I say we, the, the government has ticked off about five of them for us. I wouldn't, they haven't got entire ticks through them. Like there are some definite parts that they missed out about it, but we're on our journey to getting those ticked off and, Every time we get one of those ticked off, it's another step to renters being treated not like second-class citizens, but like everyone else in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think like we all <laughs> feel that sort of weight, you know, being a renter mm. in this country. It, it, it honestly feels like, you know, life sentence in a lot of ways, just with the way yeah. the housing market is. And, and, you know, I don't really want to, you know, like how, like for me, home ownership is not really an aspiration that I ever really coveted um, mm. very much or wanted. But the, you know, my family rented has rented in New Zealand, and we've always rented. We've never been able to afford. Well, just yeah. recently, my mum's bought a property at sixty-three. Wow. Yeah. You know, first home buyer, mm. um, and so we rented. And um, you know, like the instability that it and just the the precariousness that it really like reaped on our lives um, when I was, when I was young really has stayed with me. Right. Like, I mean, I'll never forget, like we moved to Christchurch because my mom got a job there and we had this moldy, Oh God, it was so awful. This terribly moldy home. It was, it like, every morning the windows were like just drenched with like sopping wet. It was, yeah. it was disgusting. And um, when then we moved out, the landlord tried to steal our bond because the carpet had mold on it. And I was like, and I remember my mom just, you know, my mom like, at the, now we can laugh about it because of how ridiculous it is. Cause it's like, yeah. of course the fucking carpet had mold on it. You fucking <laughs> prick. And like, also though, <laughs> of course they fucking try to take your bond. I know, I know. Yeah. But at the time my mom, you know, like um, my dad and my mom were had very separate and she was like a pro, you know basically supporting us on a single income and she was just devastated i just remember that i'll never forget that shit i'll never forget this moldy yeah. ass carpet and the landlord being like you know i want more of your hard-earned like money and um yeah i mean and then so yeah just horror stories from renting horror stories from renting yeah. as, a, as a young person and um continuing into my adulthood so awesome that's yeah. like, <laughs> it's, a great, think, it's a great scenario yeah and i think 
for a lot of people that perceive renting as a halfway house is they can convince themselves that what they're hearing isn't an issue, right? Like the issues that renters face, cool. You face it for three years, four years while you're studying and then you get a house. And that's just not the case anymore. Renting is becoming a part of people's lives. Um, and I, I hear the stat one in three people are renting one third of New Zealand. And then what really put that into perspective for me was that one in three people includes a lot of children. So when you think about adults that are renting, it ends up being about half of the adult population in New Zealand renting. And that is a lot of people. That's a, a lot of people that are experiencing this. It's not a halfway house for them. It's, it's their life. And I think for me, that's why there's such a big drive within me that something needs to be done. This is things that we can do that affect half of New Zealanders instantly. And there can be things put in place from tomorrow that would have material benefits for half of New Zealand. And so it's why don't we do those things? That really keeps me up at night. So how does renting compare in New Zealand compared to other places? Do we have it better? Do we have it worse? <laughs> uh, do we have question? it the same? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, at least from my perception and from uh, a lot of other people's perceptions that I've read online, which isn't always the best source of truth. But I think for anyone renting in New Zealand, you could probably come on board and say, in terms of developed countries, New Zealand has pretty poor rental conditions. It's very recently that we had standards for what is considered a house that you can live in safely. Uh, and even then, they're not very good. A lot of countries would not consider that a safe house. So really, New Zealanders do have it worse off, I think. And I do think a lot of it comes back to how we historically look at housing um, as New Zealanders. And a lot of it is centered in the idea of home ownership, um, which really doesn't allow for people to live the way that they need to. So a lot of other countries do have high proportions of people renting. Some cities have more than 50% of their population renting, and yet they have better conditions than us because renting isn't a halfway house for them. It's not someone who's a little poor and, you know, a nice landlord's giving them somewhere to live while they make ends meet. It's a way of living. It's a way of having a home. You can mm. paint your walls and things Have like that. Have a dog, exactly. Very simple things like that that change it from being somewhere you stay to being a home. Uh, and renting just isn't a home in New Zealand. It isn't at the moment, and I wish it was. Something, yeah. that you, something you mentioned there, and I just want to take a moment on, can we all just do a, a little prayer circle for all the nice landlords out there <sighs> that are letting the poor people um, live in their homes? Yes. And, and all they do thank have to you, contribute thank you so is paying much. the mortgage, you know, like, and, mm. and, um, and then some, that's all they have to do, just pay yeah. the whole mortgage. So that's Pay awesome. more than a market rate yeah. mortgage. That's all yeah. you have to do. No, that's all you have to do. And you don't get it at the end, but you, yep, yeah, it's just a, it's a, but providing that, yep, yeah, that makes sense. Hey, cool. Um, <laughs> but re remember as well, every so often you might have to, uh, your, your children have to get rheumatic fever. Yeah, um, well, that's the um, sacrifice you make to the landlord gods is you <laughs> sacrifice a child to rheumatic fever and um, in return you get subpar housing. That's, the, that's like literally in the law. We've, we've, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, one in, maybe one in twenty children at most. That's a yeah. relative. It's an affordable. Uh, it's a, it's a tithe essentially. Well, yeah, cost risk benefit analysis. I think you know the gods of the yeah. the gods of the moldy yeah. carpet will but, reward you. You know, and this is the thing that I keep. I think this is the thing that really drives my anger about the situation. And boy, am I angry about the situation! Mm. Um, is the fact that you know you literally have people from places like United Kingdom, Europe, America. You know, and and, and New Zealanders love to think that we're better than mm. these parts of the world, especially oh, yeah. the United States. We just have this like this absolute like obsession of being like, well, at least we're not like them, you know, they, they <laughs> let people run around with guns and we don't, and we did this and yeah. isn't it amazing and we're nuclear free. And that's we don't even have COVID. Yeah. We don't have COVID and we're Trump and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, my friends who, who I have American friends and we've had, I've had friends, you know, go to the States and live there for a while. And the resounding thing is it's, you know, like in terms of your day to day living, like it's you you live in a better house you live in a healthier house and normally that you can have pets i mean i come back to this all the time but like you know like i just want a dog and it's yeah. like I, there's these, all these houses i'm renting that are perfect for my like dream of just having a dog mm. <laughs> but I, i'm not allowed to have a dog and i just think of the life i could lead with the dog that i don't have <laughs> and it pisses me off yeah. <laughs> it just fucks me off one it of fucks my friends me off. my ghost dog yeah, one of my friends recently had a very long conversation. I think it was over four months about whether they could have a dog or not. And finally, this, in air quotes, good landlord said, you can have a dog, but you have to cover all of the floors in, like, basically glad rack. <laughs> and Jesus it was like, Christ. But, I mean, they're living with it, right? They're like, if this is what I have to do to get a companion animal that helps me live, then so be it. And I'll have carpet on my floors and like walk to the bathroom with my feet, like sticking to the floor and making like weird noises in the night. But the scary thing about that, of course, is if you, and you find a place that has a dog, you know, who knows how long you're going to be allowed to live there, you know? Exactly. And the yeah. next day your landlord could think, Oh, I'm going to make it take advantage of this absurd, like escalating um, inflation bubble with housing and, and make a huge profit. And, and so it's like, it, it, it's just an absurd situation. I, I don't, and I don't understand like the level of micromanaging we allow we allow landlords to do in our yeah. lives in New Zealand as well. Um, it's just totally normalised, um, and you know it's, it's to do with things like that, like having a dog. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Up no, until that, recently, being able to use blue tech on your walls. Yeah. Like I mean, that. I asked if I could have a dog. Um, actually, my one landlord, and she actually just said she didn't feel comfortable. I just didn't know what that meant. So like I'm, I'm personally very uncomfortable with the idea that you could get a dog. <laughs> like, it's like, best... why do I need to care about what you feel? What about me? It's <laughs> like, there is like a serious undertone to this. And it's what Jordi was saying before about like this sort of like uh, culturally inculcated uh, value system that involves, if you're a renter in New Zealand, the, the implication of that is that that's a temporary state of being, right? As opposed to most uh, more like established, uh, even liberal democracies that have some level of just being a renter as like a stable way that you can choose to live your life, right? You don't have to make this uh, devil's bargain with the with the property market to be able to have like an established uh, rung on the property ladder or like a, a lifestyle that won't just uh, degrade in whatever capitalist system you fucking bought some chips in, right? There's no there's no reason that this should be the only way that you have to like spend your life and your capital. Right. Yeah. So this, there's this kind of uh, demographic question to this. That's like in the most brutal, like evidential sense, 
what is what is the case in terms of like who rents in New Zealand, right? It obviously would like skew young because younger people have less money, but there's this kind of like age versus class occulted debate that's not that's not ever really like brought to the surface, but that like mm. neolibs, for example, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You tell me if I'm like being too cheeky, but I think like neolibs, for example, would love the case to be that it was young people who don't own houses yet who have to deal with all of these like, structural disadvantages of not owning homes and that is obviously a frustrating way to live your life like if you're a uni student that's the that's the perfect person that like the center right loves to talk about as not owning homes right because the implication is that that's a temporary state of being and that when you hit your 30s you'll be suddenly rich through your uh, brilliant choice of studying law and commerce and becoming a uh, probably a i don't know a financial fucking analyst it's actually because of my shares so. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay, just and raise. just the incredible force through which you pull your bootstraps upwards, you'll acquire three to four <laughs> rental properties in the space of a week or so. Every <laughs> really, single really coffee food. you skipped. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's another. That's another. Uh, probably apartment that you own and vaguely no, kind of the yeah. outskirts of the central city. That's a very good point. I think you know the the generational thing does work to make it seem as though renting is a temporary moment in our lives. Um, yeah. So who are the renters, Jordy? It's a, a great question. I think if we went back maybe 40 years, yeah, that pattern would fit with what the argument is now where renters are just people going to university. But now we're seeing older people renting. And I think one of the things that has kept that is that for that 40 years, the government has said, if you've got a little bit of extra cash, you should be putting that in buying a house. Uh, and constantly the conversation was always about buying a house there wasn't really ever a focus on you should be building a house or taking a mortgage to build a house it was just get into the property market get on the ladder and now those people that are on the ladder feel like they have the ability to dictate how hard it is for someone else to get on that ladder and so that comes down to how much they charge as a percentage of that renter's income and so so it's just and, and let me ask you a question because this is a bugbear of mine. Um, mm. You know this what idea that dogs? Uh, no, <laughs> I've, I've, come, I've moved past that. We've processed. <laughs> no, look, this is the thing because I've spent a lot of time in property investment groups just um, uh, to raise my blood pressure. Uh, because thank I, you for your, yeah. your effort. And 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 the thing that you know, and also actually just financial advice groups as well, and talking to um, bankers and things, you know, just doing a real like lived kind of anthropological experiment and being situated within these spaces. And Expl- the thing- yeah, yeah, thanks for putting your body on the line to bring that lived experience to this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, we appreciate your appreciate your service. Want to center personal finance. <laughs> personal finance in this discussion um yeah so so the thing i keep coming across because i've had these debates with with landlords literally and it's like this idea that rent needs to cover not only the mortgage but more than that over every overhead cost and that the property investors shouldn't bear any of the cost and i i want to i want to explore this idea the idea that rent should cover a mortgage because that you know on its face seems really actually quite absurd to me um, you know, mm-hmm. I actually had a landlord once say to me, hey, can you pay the rent on this day because my mortgage is due on that day? So she's literally saying to me, hey, you're paying my mortgage. 
And, um, you know, that felt great. Um, and, and, the, and that was like one of the beginning moments, like a crystallization in my mind of like, I'm actually paying someone's mortgage, you know, like yeah. I thought mortgages were more than that. Like I thought the reason I couldn't buy houses that somehow there was this magical, like huge mortgage that people were paying. And then I realized, no, I'm just actually just paying someone's mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So I just want to get your thought on that. Like whether you think rich, you know, should be that we should be paying people's mortgages. If that's like a fair, is yeah. that, you know, has that always historically been or, you know, like just where does this logic come from? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think it's one of the things that keeps people who don't have large amounts of capital out of the market for purchasing capital. But in terms of rents paying off someone else's mortgage, I think it's quite ridiculous. When you look at any other investment, you understand that from day one, it is not paying out. Like you're in it for the gain in the future. And so when you look at the rental market, the idea is that you have some saved up money, you invest that and immediately from day one, you are not only getting free money, but you're also getting return. And it's interesting in the mortgage standpoint, because a lot of property investors will say, hey, my return is actually only on top of my mortgage. But their return is actually in their mortgage repayments as well, because that's money they're earning. Yes, they have interest to pay. Sure, interest can be an expense, but the actual mortgage payment is not an expense. That is profit that you are making. It just happens that you previously took out a loan and so you're repaying a loan. And they actually pay less interest on their mortgages than a first home buyer as well because they've got that equity. And they're now, you know, have access to the most low, ridiculously low interest rates in history. Um, And then to, you know, be told that this is an expense, an overhead cost, rather than a a benefit to you is, is on its face absurd, but that is what they think. And, and yeah, I'm glad to, you know, I'm glad to to hear other people's perspectives on it. I think this is something that people need, we need to drive home as renters, Mm. you know, because it it is extortion, you know, it really, it really is. It's a captured market and and it's an extortive process and there should absolutely be caps on rent and it shouldn't cover a mortgage because, because there is this equity, you know, this equity issue around that, right? And and the and just like the, the sheer entitlement of landlords, I mean, of mm-hmm. property investors, like, what do you make of that? Like, where does this come from? <laughs> like, I, I think I can't think of any other industry. I mean, and, and there are a lot of shitty industries. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not it, it does it does boggle my mind. Like, I think a lot of the property investors must spend ninety percent of their energy convincing themselves that what they're doing is ethical, because I can't see myself doing what they do for a living without going to bed, maybe trying to convince myself that it is ethical. And so I think what's really important, if they are listening, maybe, I don't know if they do listen to your podcast, maybe it's a different market. I'll be um, posting it in the forums, don't worry. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> our, our, one of our main uh, listener groups is people who own more than 10 uh, investment yeah. properties. I don't know if you're aware the of one guy who owns 140 <laughs> houses in Napier. He actually, and every oh. time he listens, it accounts for like 700 listens. Just yeah, yeah, okay. no. It's uh, uh, McHone ownership Shane, who lives in one uh, cave and owns 4,000 properties, evens yeah. out all of our zero owning. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. The, the fault of the mean as a, as a means of uh, judgment. Yeah, I think, anyway, what I was trying to say, I guess, is for those people, they convince themselves when they go to bed that they are providing a service and they're providing a home that that renter would not otherwise be able to afford. What you have to consider is if you are charging more than a mortgage, 
or you are charging the rate of your mortgage, then that renter can afford that home without you doing anything. If you're not providing the rental property for less than the cost of the mortgage, you're not providing any service. And so you really are just leeching money from people. And I think they need to come to terms with that. And renters should also understand that that is what's happening. Like they are not providing you a service with these exorbitant rent prices. We know for a fact they don't fix their properties. They don't make your house easy to live in. They're hard to contact. Some of them will go overseas without realizing they have to have an agent if they go overseas. It is a total mess. They complain every single time that they have to do any work for their money. And it's like, but your argument is that you provide a service and we're expecting that service. And when that service isn't there and we complain, you get angry because we expect a service. But it's like your argument is you provide a service. So please <laughs> explain that, to me which side it is. Yeah. And the thing that I that really gets to me as well is that even if you are pay, paying a part of the mortgage, it's still a profit. No one is, yeah. you know, like what we're, I mean, I don't believe that housing should be profitable. I believe housing, you know, like I really believe oh, that housing. 100%. Is, you know, is, is not a commodity and it's human right and therefore it shouldn't be, you know, a, a profitable exercise. But when we're talking about rent being even a portion of the mortgage, that is still a profit. Any mm. amount of rent that is above and beyond the cost of maintaining the house, you know, like rates and things like that, water usage, electricity, all of that, that is a profit to the land, to the, to the, to the owner. And so, yeah. you know, like this is what I don't, so, I mean, I've been told I don't understand economics, just to be clear. Like I've literally, of course. Uh, you just don't understand simple economics. Um, this is just how you run a business is uh, you've got to, you've got to, you know, overhead costs. It's just your overhead costs that you've yeah, got to no, I mean, Yeah. Yeah. Like the degree, this is what, this is what fucking pisses me off as someone who stupidly started a business that wasn't in the fire uh, economy was like, this is this is what people uh, misunderstand about the the risk that you take on when you when you start a small business is like of course you have overhead costs and there are like consistent costs that you have to uh, fulfill and obligations etc. But normally people start under as you say like people start underwater and you have to work your way up to making a profit. It's not a government insured industry where there's no way for you to make a loss. That's what's so deranged about the market that we're living in when it comes to property like. Treating mm. this as a market, but also as a thing whereby you can never lose. Of course, that's going to massively skew the market. Like right wingers should be spewing about this. That's the other insane thing. Like if you're a pure yeah. capitalist, you should be incredibly mad. That this is a way that like the government allows us to be treated. Not this government necessarily, but every government for the last 20 years. For it's like, insane. Top, top exists, so don't erase them. Oh, just sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> just joking. Just sorry joking. to our uh, enormous cadre of toplessness. Uh, I, did, I, I did have a, yeah, I've had some interesting conversations. Anyways. It, uh, it's bonkers, <laughs> but, like, you're right. Like, just think about it. Imagine, imagine having the kind of go-getting attitude where you want to start a business and create your own, uh, whether it be, like, a brand or a thing that you're passionate about and you know, put some kind of energy into the economy and be like a small business entrepreneur SME human, right? Like yeah. I get that. I get that energy completely. And I am that person. Like I get that. But at the same time, what, what does that mean? Right. The, the amount of risk that you are meant to take on for a functioning market to, to like do what it does under liberal capitalism is that that person's meant to be bearing the risk. Right. And that's yeah. not the case as you and Justin are saying, like, if, if the expectation is that you can merely inject an amount of capital and then beyond that, there's no further, like that is the, that is the buy-in. There's no risk beyond that. Mm. The expectation is that they're both paying off the mortgage, which is the, like 
let's draw an equivalent and say you start a small business that costs, I don't know, $50,000. You take out a $50,000 loan from the, the bank. That's, I don't know, you start a cafe, right? And then the minimum return you can imagine on that investment is not just paying off that loan, you know, i.e. recouping the value of your capital investment, your capital injection, your business, but also a profit on top of that before you factor in fixed costs. Like that's what's so yeah. insane. Like it's anti-capitalist. It's, it's crazy. Like it is socialism for the rich. Like that, it's pure MLK. This it's, is one of the really interesting things because we're talking about risk is the number of different risks that have been uh, narrated in the media on, on incredibly anecdotal evidence or very marginal cases. So the meth homes scare, for example, you know, uh, tenants from hell. That's where, like, that's where your risk is, Philip. That's where your fucking risk is, mate. I know. I'm in those groups as well. <laughs> I'm in so many groups. You've got no idea. I'm just, just like... Yeah, it's just so great that all of the tenants that live in their properties are paying the insurance for the risk. So it's like, how is the property manager absorbing that risk? Because the tenant is the one paying the interest like yeah sure you're gonna have to pay a premium but that's like what less than two weeks rent so and not only that right if there is a problem with the property after you leave um you're required to pay the excess the yeah. Yeah. tenant you're not only paying the bloody insurance you're yeah. paying the yeah. excess you're it's already every- factored in all of it it's the just, entire industry assumes that this cost is already factored in. That's what's so insane about this. But, but it's like it's like the cost, and, and, and to put there the cost on like these like the renter, it's like no, 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 you bear that cost. You pay my excess because there's a scratch on the paint, and I'm going to charge <laughs> you. And 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 my mum fixed it for seven hundred dollars an hour. So that's yeah, um, yeah. you know yeah, that's a, <laughs> your that's your bond gone. Um, and it's like you know this is something that will have financial ramifications for the tenant. What for five years? You know. Like it's not going to recoup yeah. the cost or like what, like, um, you know, what really, I think the, the thing about business, the whole business argument is how much, yeah, you're right. It's totally rigged and set up to just completely benefit them. It's just a, I mean, and, and of course this incentivizes people to put their money into housing. Cause why wouldn't you? It's, you know, like yeah. they literally call it a housing hack in the community, in the financial community, they call it a housing hack. They're like, I'm going to hack the system by exploiting other people, like yep. profoundly, right? Um, and and I think the other thing to point out is that how much it takes away from from innovation, right? From these other businesses that actually contribute a little bit to society. I mean, you know, I have friends who've started clothing businesses, um, who've started, you know, wonderful restaurants that actually like give you you can buy delicious food there, um, mm. and all sorts of things. And all of them struggle with commercial rents. Like it is literally just this weight on all of us that stifles innovation, stifles actually the good things that we want businesses to small businesses to do, you know, like delicious food and cool clothes, um, just to name a few. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just saying like, you know, um, it's a real struggle for these people in hospitality and retail. And, mm. and, and that also causes monopolies in those areas where you've got these huge international conglomerates who are able to sort of, yeah. So it's like it, in, in so many ways, it, it, it is just stifling so much of our potential, right? I think from a renter's potential, but also like an, an economic kind of vibe. Yeah. We should be putting our money in more interesting places. I would want to invest it in like, you know, rockets, but not rocket lab. It's- yeah. It's, yeah. I think if we think about just how much of New Zealand's investments are in housing and it's like, 
what is that house doing to improve the economy? Like it's just moving money from people who work to people who have capital. It's not actually generating anything with it. What is that person going to do? They're going to buy another house. They're not good. Most landlords are not building houses. Like perhaps there is an argument there if they were going to take that money and use it to build a house, but it's just not the case. There's not been building, um, especially not for the rental market. So yeah, there's no innovation in building a house. I would, the only investment it is is in securing uh, a gap of inequality in New Zealand that puts you far above everyone else. And it's just uh, the making... The Kiwi dream, sh- you mean? The Kiwi yeah. dream. The Kiwi dream is now making sure that when our economy falls over because it's built on houses, you're not the first one to go. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's upper Lord Deluge or whatever, right? After me, the flood. Like that's the that's the attitude. Like yeah. I know this is these are ironically there's a quite right wing anti landlord arguments that we're making, but I think there's a good reason for that. Like we've got to the point where even according, you can do the sort of you know by your own logic nerd move and say, well, mm. I thought you liked markets. Like this this is what you asked for, but it's you've banned in every like, way. No, no, what yeah, I will. We're what way I, beyond that. Yeah. What I will say, though, is it, it, it is, an, like, I mean, just to be an annoying Marxist, I mean, this is, what, <laughs> this is, this is the, the, the contradiction, right, of the free market and private property. And um, in housing, it, it it's most comes to the fore, especially in New Zealand. Um, and I think um, it's the main contradiction where you see so much value being created by working people. You know, you've got people going to work, they're renters, they go to work, they go to their job, they, they're they doing labour. Um, they're not getting the full value of their labour at their work because, um, you know, they're paid a wage, but they're making a profit as well. And then they go home and they pay this exorbitant rent to their landlord and all the value all of it's coming from working people and then these just uh, these parasites live on uh, the backs of working people in this country and landlords are the worst example of it but they're you know they're this is why you know we have to just acknowledge there's no such thing as a free market not when you have private property where people can enclose it and then extract profit from it hallelujah praise marks <laughs> <laughs> well what do you think that they were meant to do justine after we moved a, the majority of cheap production and factory work offshore where they couldn't, they couldn't directly exploit people. They needed another mm. mechanism to do it. Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and that is the thing. That's the brutish kind of thing of it, right? It's just pure, like I have this and you don't. So fuck, t- tough titties, just you need a place to live. And, and, you know, it's so good to see an organization like Renters United and all the tenants unions and the organizations that are cropping up, because as you know, as I said, like we are creating the value. We're the ones going to work to create the money to pay the rent, you know. And if, and if we stop paying the rent, the whole thing bloody falls over. Um, wait wait so, a second, what did you just say? Well, let's not go crazy. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> Look, Sorry for suggesting uh, political economic treason. <laughs> I'm just, um, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> so, what do you think about? I guess, Jordi, what do you think about these recent? Um, you know, uh, if it's by the government, uh, the like I was talking specifically about the removal of interest reductions um, and some increases to the bright line test, and then all of this mm. about first-time buyers. Do you? I mean, what do you, what's your take? How do you um, rate it? Yeah, I would rate it pretty poorly. I think it's a very <laughs> narrowly focused policy, uh, and it is too little, too late. I wouldn't necessarily say I don't support it. Um, it is going to help people 
buy their first home. It doesn't necessarily help all of those people that are going to be renting. Um, and I, I mentioned before, I think one of the major oversights of the policy is that it still believes that people are able to save for a mortgage, which is increasingly becoming untrue as rents become a larger percentage of people's income. And we've seen it get to the point where people are not able to pay any more, so they can't increase prices that much more because people are taking out their savings for a mortgage to pay for rent. Um, and so how are those people, even with assistance from the government, going to get a mortgage? Um, and so one of the things that really reflected for me was some of the work that Ali Chris Home has done looking at the history of rental activism. And there's been kind of waves where it's gone. There's been a big, steep increase and then a big, steep drop off. And it's because the most vocal people, the people who have the ability to be activists are on the edge of being able to buy a home. So the government brings out a policy which makes that top 10% of renters able to buy a home. And then suddenly the problem silenced again, like, cool, we'll just wait for another 20 years until people start complaining again and then we'll make it easier for the next 10%. And it's like, we have a whole suite of things that we can do to actually make it better for everyone in the market, not just this next 10%. Um, and so I think that's kind of the iterative sort of policy from, from the government coming through, but they don't want to do anything too drastic. And it's like the time for drastic action was years ago uh, and we're still waiting for it. So, so hey, for sure. I was just going to say, like, I feel like this is an important, maybe more of a clarification than like a substantive question, but like you said that you don't disagree with the purpose of kind of direction of these policies because it'll help first home buyers who used to be renters. Like this isn't meant to sound like a gotcha. I realize it does, mm. but this is meant to be like, <laughs> You, you represent renters, right? So yeah. to, to what degree does that represent like your people? If that's your, if your co-papa is like represent people who, who are renters, is, is there any point where like the transmigration of a percentage of people from, from renting to first home ownership, why would that be a thing that you support? Like just for clarification yeah. purposes. I guess, you see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I guess in that sense, it's more of, Personally, I support the policy because I understand that renting is so poor in New Zealand that if an extra 10% of New Zealand can move into a position where they don't have to suffer from that, personally, that is a win for me. I think the policy itself from a Renters United perspective is a total loss because it delivers nothing for renters at all. And pretty much the only thing we've gotten out of it is landlords shouting at us saying that it's all our fault for complaining and now we're going to have to pay more rent. Um, all of these things that we just know for a fact are not true because rent prices are not linked to the cost yeah. of renting out a property. Um, and so I do think that renting is going to continue to get worse. This policy has done nothing to improve the lives of renters. Um, so but, uh, yeah. You say that there's like, you know, kind of waves in renter activism mm. and, you know, the government will then do something to help sort of the top 10% and whether, you know, and, and, you know, I, I guess those are like the more middle class people who are downwardly mobile because of the, the, the kind of um, mar the housing market kind of go at, um, what is it called when you, okay, anyways, the word's <laughs> failing me. Um, do you think this policy is going to do that or, do, you know, you said it was too little too late and I mean, you know, we might be reaching that point, right, where, um, it, it is too little too late and this isn't even going to do that. 
And yeah. that's at the point where you actually might see a crash or something like that. So I'm just curious. Do you actually think it's even going to do that? Big question. Yeah, I think certainly we're seeing the shift because so many people have been renting for so long. They want positive change for renters. We got asked for a lot of comments by media about the proposal. What does this mean for renters? What do they think about it? For a lot of renters, the idea of home ownership is so far away that this policy is just like, oh, cool, they're doing something so someone else can buy a house. That doesn't necessarily affect me. And so then when the narrative comes out from property owners that this is going to increase rents, that's when it starts to become an issue because that actually affects them. The idea of home ownership for so many New Zealanders is just so far from reach. I don't think we're going to see that transition this time. And I really do believe that rental activism is going on the up in New Zealand. More people want changes for renters and they want to be able to live as a renter. They want to be able to thrive as a renter. They don't want to be um, kept down by people who have capital and a government that's unwilling to let people thrive. And that's, I guess, my last question, um, you know, before I stop talking for a little bit. Um, but, you know, you talked about how rent obviously isn't tied to any kind of costs, and of course it isn't because it's completely just extracting as much as you can. Um, this is the mean, like, is this is this an empty threat by landlords? I mean, haven't they raised rent? <laughs> like, they, they, aren't they caking as much as they already can? It feels, certainly feels like they are. Um, so how can they raise it more unless they want to really cause, um, you know, a sort of storming of the Bastille or some kind of social unrest, you know, like, you know, you really do get to a point where people are going to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> just speaking I, for myself, really. Yeah, um, I totally joking. agree. I think it's even seen in the appetite among renters at the moment that are like ready to jump to uh, not paying rent. Like they're at the point where it's like, I am more than willing to get a permanent mark on my record and be kicked out of my property because I think what is happening in New Zealand is so unjust. And I think for me, that's really highlights just how far behind we are solving this problem, just how many steps behind it we are. Um, And I think for me, what solidifies it is, I guess, like you were saying before, Justine, is that I don't think that housing should be profitable. And so why do we even have a free market for housing? Um, Why is the state not investing more in housing as it is a basic need for people? It is something the state should be willing to provide. And one of the things that really annoys me is that when the state does provide housing, they're always providing it in a market. They're not willing to provide it at cost and actually bring the market down to a reasonable rate. Like they're always like, we can't interfere in the market with these drastic measures. And it's like, you're not even doing those tiny measures like setting something at cost instead of making a profit from it that could actually have an effect for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, classic, the classic example of that is KiwiBuild, right? Which is yeah. like an absolutely pure denial to cross the, the gods of the market in this sense. Yeah. Right? Because that, that's how you, they could have potentially... Um, even marginally brought down the cost of housing would have been making those building at cost, renting at cost, just a massive yeah. state housing build instead of even providing what they saw as like at the lower end of what was currently market cost, which obviously like mm-hmm. drifted upwards and there were construction costs, blowouts and failures to deliver and all that stuff, which are of course like failures of the government and failures of the PPP systems that were inevitable in a system that you would bring in to deliver like an inherently flawed concept like that. But of course they can't commit to these things that would 
bring down the cost of delivery where it's a it's a supply based argument, right? Mm. So where do where does Rangers United or you personally, however you want to answer this question, fall on this kind of demand supply thing where there there seems to be all these different kind of points of entry to this argument, I think. And feel free to answer this however you want. But I think it's I think it's interesting that different kind of NGOs and uh, values organizations and social movements have different perspectives on a very similar question, which is like, do should the government do, you know, 100,000, 200,000 state-built houses and attempt mm. to deliberately lower the cost of construction using that, using, I don't know, like a Ministry of Works would be my proposition, but there are different ways, there are different ways that you could do that. A more yeah. maybe decentralized system or a more, more maybe Kopapa Māori system, uh, maybe, you know, tie it with marae endeavors or hapu level endeavors whatever you want to do um or do you do a more like top-down system or do you do a more demand-based system where you try to limit the incentives of investors to massively over leverage themselves in this like deranged kind of toxic market that we've created yeah. like I, I think both of those have like legitimate points to them but where does rent yeah. united stand for sure yeah um and i guess this is where people usually go and say oh housing is a complex issue you know like you can't put it all in one basket um but i will try my best to give you an answer under the circumstances and we do believe that the state has a place in providing the necessary needs for people in new zealand we have socialized medicine i guess as far as you could call it socialized um you still pay for gp visits but like we pride ourselves on things like that and yet we don't do the same for housing. I think there really is a necessity for the government to lead in the way of supply with the amount of resources that they do have. We can see them drastically increase that supply side. And at the same time, on the other end, say to investors, look, you've had a fun ride. You've made a lot of money. You've made a shit ton of money. Now you need to start working for it. And if you don't like that, maybe put your investment in something else like developing wind farms or something that's actually going to be a net benefit for the economy. And so I think it is really important that the government understands their place in housing. That is not only providing housing, but making sure that people are not abusing not very fair market to, uh, in air quotes, provide housing. What is your take on the political parties? Is any political party... Um, <laughs> that, that, that's, now, that's a gotcha, Justine. No, no, oh, I'm, yeah. not, no I mean, I'm not asking you for a partisan thing. Is, it, like, is, it, is, it, is anyone articulating this vision? Because it's a beautiful vision. I like what I'm hearing. Mm. So we did put out, like, uh, a star rating system for political parties. And there are some parties that perform better than others. Some got zero stars and we're not very happy about it. And... Um, <laughs> Even when we say, oh, we've got some cool flyers that tell people about their rights. Do you want them at your stall? And they're like, no, we definitely don't want that. And it's like, okay, I wonder why you got zero stars. But I think um, <laughs> politics in New Zealand and I guess everywhere is you get on the bus that's going the closest. I would love to see a political party that realises that home ownership is not the key to everything. Um, but the unfortunate thing in politics is that it's not completely separate from the world we live in and that it's still run by people who have money for people who have money. Um, and so I do encourage people with their voices to get involved in whatever bus they think is going closest and advocate for their own rights. Keep shouting until 
someone with power can't stop listening to you and really try and push those parties for, for positive change for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's good we have a Labour Party, right? A working people party, because it oh, seems like yeah. that would be great. And then they would <laughs> Yeah, that would be like super into providing state housing and stuff. Yeah, because um, they're the party for working people, right? I mean, yeah, labor. and like giving working people rights. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, just, so, just hypothetically, if there were going to be issues with, say, the construction of those, those objects that could maybe supply like a livable way to, to just survive in a sort of non-commodified way for people who, who labor with a small L you'd think that that would be the perfect place for that party to kind of, you know, put their fucking pedal to the metal and fix those issues with construction that could be extremely easily addressed. So lucky we have that, you know, so no issues there, but let's, um, yeah, let's move on. (laughs) I'm just um, aware that uh, we, we may be coming to time. So, Jordy, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, getting on the, the bus that gets closest in terms of uh, advocacy or activism. Where can people find you, Renters United, um, and other organizations? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find us at rentersunited.org.nz. If you have any issues with your current tenancies, uh, we have an entire help page on there. All of our friends are more than welcome to help you in tenancy-specific scenarios. But if you love shouting, if you hate the way renting is right now, Renters United is the the place to share your voice uh, and definitely keep an eye out on what we've got coming because we will shout at the government whether you want to or not. We'll be there shouting uh, and we'll make sure that you're heard. Rent caps now. (laughs) Hell yeah. Oh, you just wait, Justine. We've got something around the corner. Oh, good. Ah, I'm excited. Hey, thank you so much for for joining us uh, this evening, Jordy. No problem. It's a pleasure. Awesome to talk to all of you. Yeah. Um, and if uh, our audience, if, you, if you've enjoyed uh, this cast and you're enjoying our housing uh, kind of pseudo series, share it with a friend. Uh, maybe you've got some other friends who rent but aren't really into politics. Um, maybe chuck them this cast, let them know about it. Uh, let them know that there are um, media out there that are there to support them um, and to talk about it from, from their point of view. Um, it's not all just what you see in the New Zealand Herald um, or on News Hub or, you know, oh. any other media in New Zealand, really. We had a, a great moment with News Hub where they uh, chose to not print something we said because it didn't really fit the agenda of the story. Oh, um, that's... So that's I'll against, leave you with that one. Journalistic ethics. Wow. Um, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, and so if you've enjoyed it, um, give it a share. Hit us up in your podcast app. Give us five stars. Um, that'll really help us uh, move up those ratings. Um, and leave a review if you've... Uh, particularly enjoyed this episode thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time relentless routines the dying embers of your dreams is a lie aspirational will you die keeping your glass half full the relentless routines the dying embers of your dreams is a lie aspirational Will you die keeping your glass half full? You don't hate your nation, you hate nationalism. You don't hate your nation, you hate nationalism.